0: Chapter twenty of the Red Seal by Natalie Sumner Lincoln. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The unknown equation. No, no, protested Helen vehemently. You shall not give the envelope to Margaret. You must not. It is mine insisted the widow with equal vehemence. Mrs. Brewster, Kent withheld the envelope from both women, will you tell me the contents of the envelope? No curtly it is not your affair it is my affair retorted kent with equal shortness of manner i insist on an answer to my questions in the limousine this morning how came your handkerchief in jimmy's possession and why did you go to the police court and yet keep your presence there a secret jimmy must have picked up the handkerchief when in the mcintyre house she answered sullenly i presume he forgot to provide himself with one in his make-up as burglar as regards your second question i admit i did go to the police court out of curiosity i wanted to find out what was going on you with a resentful glance at helen treated me as an outsider and i was determined to find out for myself how the burglar farce would end ah you term it a farce is that why you laughed in court asked kent quickly mrs brewster changed color i feel badly about that she stammered i meant no disrespect to Jimmy but I have a nervous inclination to laugh, almost hysteria, when excited and overwrought. "'I see,' answered Kent slowly. He was distinctly puzzled. Mrs. Brewster's air of candor disarmed suspicion, but—'You saw and talked with Jimmy Turnbull on Monday night?' "'I did not.' Her denial was firm. "'Then how did you learn of his arrest?' asked Kent swiftly. "'I overheard him conversing.' "'With whom?' kent demanded eagerly as she paused as if to reconsider her confidences helen one hand on the desk and the other on the arm of her chair tried to rise but her strength had deserted her with whom repeated kent as the widow remained silent jimmy was talking with grimes mrs brewster stated slowly from what i overheard he paid grimes to let him inside the house kent looked perplexed as he gazed first at the widow and then at helen who had sunk back in her chair. "'Mrs. Brewster,' he began after a pause, "'who gave Jimmy your aconitine pills "'which Grimes left on the hall table?' "'The murderer.' "'Yes, of course.' Kent was watching her closely, and he detected the tiny beads of perspiration which were gathering on her upper lip. "'And who, in your opinion, was the murderer?' Mrs. Brewster's expression changed. She looked hunted, and her eyes fell before Kent's. Abruptly she turned her back on him, to find Colonel McIntyre at her elbow and Barbara just entering the room. Her eyes travelled past the girl until they rested on Philip Rochester and Detective Ferguson hovering behind him. Her face altered. "'I saw Philip Rochester,' pointing dramatically toward him, "'crawl out of the reception-room window and dart into the street, just as Orion came in the front door with Helen.' Detective Ferguson could not restrain a joyful exclamation so that was it he cried you were at the mcintyre house and gave the poison to turnbull there and not in the courtroom four hours before he died you'll swing for that crime my buck in spite of your glib tongue and slippery ways as he ceased speaking ferguson's ever-ready handcuffs swung suggestively from his hand but helen's agonized cry checked his approach toward rochester who stood stolidly waiting for him father you cannot permit this monstrous injustice philip should not suffer for another no barbara as her sister strove to quiet her we must tell the truth suppose i tell it for colonel mcintyre rochester advanced as the door opened and sylvester ushered in benjamin Clymer. you have come in time Clymer. his voice deepened the voice of a man accustomed to present a case and sway a court wait sylvester sit at that table and take down these charges charges questioned kent watching his partner narrowly. He tossed a stenographic pad to Sylvester and made a place for him at his desk. "'Go on, Rochester. Charges against whom?' "'Charges against the man who, occupying a position of trust, planned to swindle the Metropolis Trust Company through forged notes and checks,' Rochester stated with slow emphasis. "'Jimmy Turnbull learned that you, Clymer, were to visit Colonel McIntyre on Monday night, and he went there in disguise to find out if his suspicions were correct.' The investigation cost him his life. Clymer, who had followed Rochester's statement, first with bewilderment and then with rising wrath, found his voice. You drunken scoundrel, he roared. How dare you? Dare? Rochester laughed recklessly. Jimmy kept his wits to the last. His mind was clear. He recognized you in the prisoner's pen, and he tried to call you. But his palsy tongue could not say Ben, but stuttered, b. and what did he wish to tell me gasped clymer down whose colorless face perspiration trickled i what broke in kent significantly jimmy may not have gotten the information he wished at your house colonel mcintyre but his presence there on monday night showed the forger he was in danger and like the human snake he is he poisoned without warning don't move sylvester with a backward spring kent caught his clerk as he sped for the door Don't make any mistakes in putting on the handcuffs this time, Ferguson, he shouted. A forger and a contortionist make a bad customer to reckon with. End of chapter 20